0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wong. Today on Strange New Worlds, sports psychologists Jason Von Stietz and David Smith are back on board to discuss data's continuing evolution as a strategist. Last time, we talked about how Data figured out how to defeat a stratagema Master in the TNG episode, Peak Performance. Today, we're going to examine two more instances of Data as a strategist. First, the TNG episode, Redemption Part 2, where the Enterprise crew becomes embroiled in a Klingon civil war that is being fueled by treacherous Romulans. In Redemption Part 2, Data is given command of his very own ship and has to overcome skepticism and bigotry. The second instance that we'll talk about today is the feature film Star Trek First Contact, in which Data is captured by the Borg, has to resist the temptations of the Borg Queen, trick her into thinking he's on her side, before finding the right moment to strike. Let's move on to the TNG Season 5 episode called Redemption Part 2, where Data takes temporary command of the USS Sutherland and attempts to foil a Romulan plot. So while aboard the Sutherland, Data is constantly questioned by his first officer who makes it abundantly clear how little he trusts and enjoys taking orders from a synthetic life form.
1: I'm Lieutenant Commander Data, Lieutenant Commander Christopher Hobson. By order of Starfleet, I hereby take command of this vessel. Please note the time and date in the ship's log. Excuse me, sir. I'd like to request a transfer. May I ask why? I don't believe I'd be a good first officer for you. Your service record to date suggests you would perform that function adequately. No, 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 that's not what I mean. I don't think I'd be a good first officer for you. Why? Frankly, sir, I don't believe in your ability to command this ship. You're a fellow officer, and I respect that, but No one would suggest that a Klingon would be a good ship's counselor, that a Borellian could be an engineer. They're just not suited for those positions. By the same token, I don't think an android is a good choice to be captain. I understand your concerns. (laughs) Request denied.
0: So while none of us are androids, I think, unfortunately, it is (laughs) not uncommon to be on the receiving end of discrimination for one reason or another. What advice would you two have for someone in Data's shoes, a leader who is constantly being disrespected and undervalued by his colleagues? Jason, do you want to go first on this one?
2: Sure. Um, And actually, I think Data handled it great. Um, If you look at what he did, he approached the situation with curiosity instead of instead of judgment or with anger, and he just asked the person, "Oh, what, what do you mean by that? Why 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 would you not want to serve under me? Why would you know what what could the problem be? You know, he just he just asked him curiously with without any um, without making any assumptions about the situation, even though it was clear that. Uh, the first officer was biased against data he still gave him the benefit of the doubt uh, initially to just find out what's going on so i think that's that's a, a great approach to just kind of ask with curiosity and in in real life a lot of times when you just directly approach the, the issue that way with an open mind and 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 without any kind of negativity towards it a lot of times people will kind of question themselves oh why did I not trust you? Oh, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sorry, never mind. Like, so a lot of times that does work um, in, in, a, in many situations. And then some other things that Data did, uh, he just sort of ignored the smaller slights or microaggressions. And you can't, especially in a, a situation where there's a, a time limit, where you don't have very much time, you can't correct every little thing. And it could lead to escalating an argument, or um, it could just lead to to more disruption if you point out every single little microaggression that somebody makes when they're they're biased against you. So he he let the small ones slide. And then when there were bigger ones, like not following his order, he addressed it on the spot. Like, oh, I ordered you to do this, and you didn't. What's going on there? And he still approached it with curiosity. What's going on there? And then the first officer, whoever said what the reasoning was and then data said no you will follow my orders and and he did that uh, a couple times so i think uh, data's approach was was great and the only other thing i would add is and this would be hard because there wasn't a lot of time they're they're so rushed but if he could do a team meeting or make some kind of announcement directly addressing the issue and speaking to people's problems and, and saying i you know i understand i'm a synthetic life form of course, you would think, I don't value human life. And maybe he could even play into that and say, well, I am programmed to value human life and to protect it, and I will be following my programming during this mission. And maybe that could have done a little bit more to put people at ease. But overall, I think Data handled the situation great. And, and I think people in real life could look at how he handled it and use that to... Um, you know, as modeling for how they could handle their, their situations.
0: Yeah, certainly. David, did you find data's response to the situation just as inspiring?
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, I agree with Jason. It was, he handled it really well. And Jason, you mentioned how he approached it with a curiosity and mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, going in to make sure that you give the person the benefit, the benefit of the doubt and how, you know, sometimes that could encourage the person Mm -hmm. to kind of look onto themselves and reflect a little bit Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe correct it, because that's exactly what happened before he took command of the Sutherland, when mm-hmm. Captain Picard was, you know, assigning the different ships and trying to get the commanding officers. He originally was going to have Data as his first officer on the bridge of the Enterprise, just like in *Peak Performance. But in this situation, then Data said, hey, you know, I will perform as your first officer. I will gladly do this, you know, as you order. But is there a reason why you didn't choose me for a command mm-hmm. position? Yes, Mr. Data.
1: May I ask a question, sir, of a personal nature? Yes. I am confused. Why have I not been assigned to command a ship in the fleet, sir? Well, I felt that you would be needed here. Why do you ask? You have commented on the lack of senior officers available for this mission. I believe my 26 years of Starfleet service qualifies me for such a post. However. If you do not feel the time has arrived for an android to command a starship, perhaps I should address myself to improving- Commander, I believe the starship Sutherland will need a captain. I think of no one better suited for that task than you. Thank you, sir.
3: And, and data even gives them potential reasons, gives them a potential excuse to kind of get, get out of it, mm-hmm. right? And say, well, maybe you don't think I have the experience enough, or maybe you're not ready that I, you know, as maybe a synthetic life form. But then Picard immediately says, oh, you're right. You are qualified to take command. So here is a command. And so by doing exactly that with Picard, and then Picard, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of reflected on his own biases and said, well, no, you're right, you know, I need to, Mm -hmm. you're you're perfectly qualified and capable of commanding another vessel. So that showed confidence from Picard into Data as well that, you know, I think was a kind of a good precursor for Data dealing with this, you know, situation of discrimination Mm -hmm. on with from his first officer, because, you know, he approached it from the exact same question, basically. But in this case, the response was a lot different. And so how does he handle that? And, you know, like you said, it's, you know, you don't have a lot of time and it's a very tense situation. So you need to stay focused on the situation at hand. You cannot sit there and waste time dealing with petty drama or anything like that with the crew. So, you know, he had to let a lot of these microaggressions just kind of, you know, slip by and just, you know, Mm -hmm. say, okay, well, yeah, you know, focus on the task at hand. I'm not going to, I'm just going to ignore what he said, but at a moment when it, compromised the mission when the first mm-hmm. officer refused to carry out data's order, then that was an important moment for Data to not just address the discrimination itself, but to do so visibly and establish mm-hmm. himself as the leader. Because in that case, you know, if he had taken him to the you know ready room or wherever and did it in private, well, you know, that may have fixed the situation between those two. But in this case, to do it publicly in front of the other members of the crew, established data to say, hey, that behavior is unacceptable. You will follow my orders. If you're not going to follow my orders, get off my bridge and get out of the way because we have a job to do. All stop. sir. all stop. Sir,
1: the fleet's been ordered to Gamma Aridon. Tachyon signatures will not last long. By the time the fleet is deployed, it will be too late. Begin to reconfigure the sensors to detect ionized particle traces. The entire area has been flooded with tachyon particles. We'll never be able to find what we're looking for. I am aware of the difficulties. Please bring the phasers back online. That will flood three decks with radiation. We will initiate radiation protocol when necessary. You don't give a damn about the people whose lives you're throwing away. We're not just machines. Mr. Hobson, you will carry out my orders or I will relieve you of duty. Yes, sir.
3: And, and during that situation as well, he li- he heard him out and he said, well, you know the, the first officer said, "I don't feel comfortable with an artificial life form, you know taking orders from an artificial life form. data said, okay, I accept that, but your transfer is still denied because we mm-hmm. still have a job to do. Mm-hmm. So you need to set your biases to the side, even if it's going to make you uncomfortable for this moment because we need your skill set. We need you to do your job for this task at hand. And then had it been you know a lot more long-term situation, maybe after the situation had resolved itself, then data would have maybe revisited and said, okay, you know, we can do a transfer or whatever. But in this case, it was we have a job to do, you need to do it. Don't let your biases or your, your discrimination or your bigotry or whatever get in the way, because if it does, then you're out altogether. And so I thought it was very good and very important that data did so publicly and defiantly because it was important to establish himself as a leader so that everybody else on the crew as well would know, okay, this behavior is unacceptable. And again, we need to focus on the task at hand.
0: Great, great points. Yeah. Yeah. And Data does show that he is more than just a capable leader. He's a, he's an amazing leader. Um, so at the climax of this episode, Redemption Part 2, Picard basically is ordering the entire Federation fleet to withdraw. But Data has this realization that his ship, the Sutherland, has the capability of discovering exactly where the cloaked Romulan vessels are if he acts with haste and so he basically disobeys Picard's direct order and breaks formation fires torpedoes at a faint tachyon signal and snuffs out the Romulan's advance and saves the day.
1: Another message coming in it's Captain Picard. Mr. Data you were ordered to rendezvous with the fleet at Gamma Editor. Acknowledge. Stand by Captain. Mr. Hobson, prepare to fire. Didn't you hear? Captain Picard wants us... Fire! Fire! They've discovered us. Reverse course. Order the fleet back to Romulan territory. Commander, the Duras need this convoy. Without these supplies, they cannot win.
3: We've been discovered,
1: it's over. But what should I tell Lursa and Bitor?
3: Tell them
1: they're on their own. Later,
0: Data goes to Picard in Picard's ready room and basically tries to turn himself in for disobeying a direct order, saying, You know, I, I did something wrong, you've got to punish me for this. But Picard actually praises Data. He says that.
1: The claim I was only following orders has been used to justify too many tragedies in our history. Gustav doesn't want officers who will blindly follow orders without analyzing the situation. Your actions were appropriate for the circumstances. And I have noted that in your record. Mr. Data. Nicely done.
0: David and Jason, what does this moment of defying Picard's orders to save
3: the day illustrate about Data as a strategist? You know, and, and I think what's really key about this, too, is that in contrast to the episode P performance, right? You know, it's the same kind of situation where in the beginning, you know, he's told, OK, here's kind of what you do. But in this situation now, Data is acting more on his own volition and his own assessment of the situation and is able to better work within his own strategy of of what he knows is going on at this point. So now he can, you know, have a little more autonomy in in the way that he responds. Well, I think what's also key here is because this is what season six, where data has already experienced the emotion chip and he's already experienced, you know, an emotion dealing with the Borg and all of these things. So uh, this would be, I would say the formation of data's gut instinct, right? Maybe it's not fully there, but it's saying, okay, data is not acting solely on, you know, logic. He's not acting solely on uh, algorithms or ones and zeros in his neural network. He's acting on something more. And as he's doing this move, as he's, you know, staying out of formation, you know, everybody on his crew is sitting there like, you know, freaking out and saying, well, you have been ordered, you know, Picard's mm-hmm. ordered you to go back and stay in formation. And Picard's screaming over the comms and everybody's screaming and Data's just kind of sitting there like, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think at this point it's also, With data, you know he knows in his in his own instinct he knows that he's correct, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe because of the situation, he doesn't have the time to sit there and try and explain. Or maybe responding to Picard on the comms and saying "Give me a moment" would reveal his tactic and what he's you know trying to Mm -hmm. do here. So he's trying to maintain the silence with Picard to prevent the Romulans from figuring Mm -hmm. out that he knows what they're doing. But also he's so focused on on the outcome of this that he. He's not going to explain it to his crew right now either because data all of a sudden chimes in and says, you know, okay, crew, here's what I think is going on, blah, 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 You know, it might take him a little too long to explain it when it's like, okay, just give me 30 more seconds and you'll see it play out, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. So for data, it was kind of a, again, kind of a stand your ground moment to say, well, mm-hmm. in my instinct, in my gut, I know that what I'm doing is, is the correct move and I don't have time to explain it. And it's tactfully not good to respond over the radio. So I need to deal with the potential consequences of this later on in favor of seeing this play out right now. And you know, as you said, ultimately in the end, he says, yes, I disobeyed your orders and I may have made actions that, you know put something at risk here. but you know and and of course, in the end it it, it worked out in their favor and everybody was saved and, you know, happy ending of the story. But like you said, Picard then was said, well, You know, your actions were appropriate. You know, even if at the time you didn't have the opportunity to explain it or justify it, in the end, it justified itself. So your actions were appropriate. And I think what was key here is when Picard said, What is it? Starfleet doesn't want officers who blindly follow orders without analyzing the situations, right? And this was the first Mm -hmm. time, you know, just like at the NFP performance, the first real time that data was challenged to analyze the situation and make a strategic action on his own, even in the face of all this pressure to do something else. And ultimately in the end, it worked out in his favor. And if it had not worked out in his favor, maybe everything gone wrong, then, you know, we would be (laughs) having a completely different discussion right now. But in this case, you know, based on all this experience that we've, he's built up to this point in season six, now we start to see this formation of his instinct and his, his own ability to act autonomously in this kind of situation without having to necessarily rely on, on programming or, or, or just logic up in his head.
0: Right. Right. Jason, what are your thoughts on this moment uh, data developing his gut instinct?
3: Mm. Yeah, I
2: thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, And we can call it gut. We can call it. uh, One of the things I was thinking is he, he was doing a really good job of keeping the big picture in mind and, running tests or maybe checking with his gut. And uh, I forget exactly what the terminology was, but he ran some kind of test or he ordered some kind of test. And I can understand from a a human perspective why run that test. There's only a tiny chance of actually finding something. Uh, You wouldn't think that the Romulans would try to sneak in in that way. It, It seems highly unlikely. And as as a human, I know because I'm a human, we have very limited energy and our, our attention span is limited. And when there's a big threat out there, when we think, oh, off to the right, there's a big threat, then it's hard to, to spend the time and energy to look to the left and see if there's anything there as well. But it is important. And data... Um, essentially followed his uh, his positronic gut and ordered that test to be run because he has he has the the energy he has the time it might take a human a long time to analyze the data but data could do it very quickly <laughs> so th- that was great and uh, going back to the big picture idea, There's the big picture, that's what your your main order is to achieve that big picture goal. And then there's the smaller tasks that uh, could be direct orders, but they're always changing. The the situation is always unfolding. And so those tasks are going to change. And this situation kind of reminded me of that situation in the office where Michael Scott is driving his car. I'm assuming his big picture goal was to get to some business to do a sale or something. But then he's following his GPS and he gets too focused on the small task of following his GPS and then he follows it straight into a lake and he knows, he sees the lake right there, but as he's doing it, he's saying, this is where the GPS is telling me to go, ah, you know, so he drives his car right into a lake and uh, if you're Starfleet you want officers who are going to keep the big picture in mind and not just drive that starship right into a lake. You you want them to be able to make decisions as the situation is, over unfolding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump now to the movie Star Trek First Contact, where Data is held captive by the Borg Queen, who tempts Data with human sensation, even human flesh. Uh, But Data is able to actually deceive the Borg Queen, making her think that he's fallen under her spell despite being offered basically everything he's ever wanted to be, right? Data's on this long arc of becoming human. We've seen this as he's developed emotions and a gut instinct. Um, And so the Borg Queen seems to be giving him everything that he's ever dreamed of. But he basically resists that temptation. In fact, in the end, he tells Captain Picard that he was only tempted by the Queen's offer for a fraction of a second.
1: She was unique. She brought me closer to humanity than I ever thought possible. And for a time, I was tempted by her offer. How long a time? 0.68 seconds, sir. an android that is nearly an eternity
0: what does this example of data overcoming the temptation of becoming human and being able to just play along until he knew that it was time to make his move say about the android um david why don't you go first on this one
3: i really like this this whole segment and in one of the the strengths of first contact here was just the, just the juxtaposition between the Borg Queen and Data, you know, because the Borg Queen is, you know, a synthetic life form who's also with organic components or whatever the Borg tends to describe themselves as. But she is very, you know, she's I mean, she's got a whole hive mind of experience here to, to deal with. And she knows, OK, you know, he has to she has to seduce Data in the way that works best for him, which, you know, what what does Data want more than anything in the world is is to be human, right? And, and experience the human condition. And so she tempts him with that. She literally just offers him everything that he wants, but, you know, maybe he's tempted by it, you know, because I mean, let's say, you know, you get a phone call and, you know, or somebody comes up and says, Hey, I've got everything that you've ever wanted, you know, here you go, give it, you know, take it, take it. Right. You know, and maybe you think, Oh yeah, I would love that. Okay. You know, it's just right there. But then you Mm -hmm. think about what's the cost of that, right? What is Mm -hmm. the cost of, of this. And, and we've seen this play out in, in, I think Babylon 5 is a great show that this really plays out in, right? Because there's this character in Babylon 5 who goes around to all the characters and asks, What do you want? What do you want? You know, and it, all these characters tell him what they want. And in one way or another, these characters get exactly what they want. But there's one character that he asks who, you know, responds to him and says, You know, I'm not interested in what you have to offer because whatever that is, is it comes at too high price. So I think data in this situation with the Borg queen knows, okay, yes, she can give you everything I want. It's a, it's like a Pinocchio, you know, mm-hmm. he could be a real boy, but mm-hmm. in this case, you know, it comes at such a high price, mm-hmm. right. Cause that means he gets assimilated by the Borg and he has to mm-hmm. puts his whole, all of his friends, his whole crew, everybody, you know, gets assimilated by the Borg all for skin and human mm-hmm. cessation. And he knows that the Borg cannot offer him real humanity because humanity isn't just something that's given to you humanity is something that you have to you know spend a lifetime learning and understanding and it's also kind of weird because the borg are not humans the borg aren't <laughs> you know the, yeah sure there's some human human drones that got assimilated here but but what can the borg teach data about being human so i think you know in the end he was able to think okay yeah she's offered me everything i want but he's also smart enough to realize it comes at too high of a price but how can he play out the situation in a way? Because you know, there's the one brief scene where you know, as as Picard and everybody's preparing to evacuate the ship, mm-hmm. and Picard kind of hears Data whispering, Captain Data. And then you know, Picard goes back for for mm-hmm. data after everybody has already left the ship, you know. So so clearly Data at that point was strategizing. At that point to say, OK, if I can stall the boar Queen, keep her distracted the whole time, you know, let her play out the sequence of things that she wants to do. And with Picard's help, have a move in mind that as soon as she makes the move, I can change that so that, you know, that's the moment where, where we need to act. But he also knew I cannot do this by myself. I would need Picard, you know, to help out, which is why he calls out to Picard to, you know, come and help him. And then, of course, Picard, you know, realizes in his own arc as well. On that same front but it was a very i think brilliant move on data's part to say you know okay yeah i maybe i'm slightly tempted by your offer but the cost is too high but at least maybe i can play along with it and, and kind of manipulate the boar queen the same way that the boar queen has manipulating him you know in favor of keeping her distracted long enough so that you know when the time comes to make a move you know they're able to do it and and ultimately get out of there
0: this is such a great analysis of what's going on and what is my favorite Star Trek movie of all time, uh, but I've never had uh, this lens to see it through, this sports psychology lens. <laughs> so this is this is such, such a wonderful conversation. Jason, what did you make of this strategy of Data to sort of lie low, pretend uh, that he's going along with the Borg Queen, accepting her offers of seduction, but then really backstabbing her at the last moment?
2: I thought it was really smart. Uh, and you can... See similarities in this situation and in the situation with Strategema, is he initially tried one strategy? Um, he tried to just win, and and that makes a lot of sense because Data is the most talented person in the Alpha quadrant. He's very high skilled uh, in basically everything. So at first, when he's there with the the Queen and and her her drones. He's talking to her. He's openly telling her that he's resisting. And uh, he says something that was I thought was really helpful, too, to, to just get into his mindset. The, the queen was trying to seduce him. And then he said something like, the Borg do not evolve. They conquer. I question your motives. Why do you insist on utilizing this primitive linguistic communication? Your android brain is capable of so much more.
1: Have you forgotten? I'm endeavoring to become more human.
2: Human. We used to be exactly like them. Flawed, weak, organic. But we evolved to include the synthetic. Now we use both to attain perfection. Your goal should be the same as ours.
1: Believing oneself to be perfect is often the sign of a delusional mind.
2: Small words from a small being trying to attack what he doesn't understand.
1: I understand that you have no real interest in me that your goal is to obtain the encryption codes for the enterprise computer
2: so right there we know like data is too smart and he's he has his own values and ethics and he's he's not going to just fall for this uh, but he does try to escape early on and then he's caught off guard because he's never had a forearm with skin and with sensation before so he gets he gets slashed by one of the borg and he experiences a great deal of physical pain which maybe he's he's never felt before and that stunned him and that he he learned that he had a new weakness so then he tried a different strategy kind of like in Stratagema, he tried to win just outright and then he learned that's harder than i thought and then he went for a draw so then after that He then started to go along with what the queen was saying, uh, sort of of playing for a draw in a way. I'm going to survive a little bit longer. I'm going to be tortured a little bit less. I'm going to gain the trust of my captor, sort of playing for a draw. And then he saw the opportunity. And as soon as the opportunity was there, he struck. And I thought that was great. It kind of reminded me of Thanos with the gauntlet. As soon as he got the gauntlet, he snapped his fingers and he he achieved his goal. And um, uh, Thanos isn't a good guy, but that's, that's just <laughs> an example of, of striking when you have the opportunity. And the Queen was being more of a, a Bond villain, talking to Picard and to Data and saying, you know, here are my grand plans and there's nothing you can do about it. And in a she way... She was
3: monologuing. Yeah, she was (laughs) monologuing.
2: And it did actually make sense for her goals because her goal wasn't just to defeat them. It was to thoroughly defeat and conquer and give them a sense of hopelessness and then to assimilate them and for them to lose all of their individuality. So it does make sense that she was just really rubbing it in. Uh, But then that gave Data the opportunity that he had he struck when he had um th- that second. Just just a second.
1: Dana! Resistance is futile.
2: And then to kind of briefly go back to Data's temptation, he, he was tempt- tempted for a second, but it reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode that a uh, special guest that you had on Mike talked about where uh, there was somebody who loved reading, just wanted to read all day long. And then there was a nuclear war or some kind of apocalypse situation. And then he could read all the time, all day long, like he wanted, but then his glasses broke. And what was it all for? Like, what's what's the point of of having that dream of reading all the time? And if and Data really values his friendships, so uh, if he were to and he normally tries to evolve to become more human through his friendships, through learning and developing relationships with people. So if he became uh, a biological life form, or organic, but then lost all of his friends then what's the point? It's more of a Twilight Zone episode at that point.
0: Great. Wonderful analysis. Thanks for listening to Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. Jason and David will be back one more time when we conclude our discussion of data as a strategist by examining the character's most recent appearances in Star Trek Picard. Until then, Stay safe, stay curious, and I'll see you out there.